It's a good place to be this morning, isn't it? There you go. Last week, only three of you responded to that. This week, at least five of you did. It's a good place to be this morning, amen? Amen. amen. <clears throat> How many of you have a favorite Christmas movie? Anybody? Tell, just tell me what it is. Someone? A Christmas story. Who else? Raise your hand. Christmas Vacation. The greatest spiritual Christmas movie ever. So, anybody else? Elf. Good. White Christmas. It's a wonderful life. Charlie Brown Christmas. All right. Anybody ever watch Home Alone? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Home Alone 2. Uh, I love the scene in Home Alone 2 where uh, the little boy is using the, the recorded program to run the guys out of the hotel room. You remember that? And, and there's one little piece in there where he plays the thing and, and, and the guy on the TV says, get down on your knees and tell me you love me. You remember that? And everybody lines up and they get down on their knees and they say, I love you, right? And he says, you got to do better than that. And they say what? Tell me. Go ahead. Tell me. Oh, you're awesome. Are you ready? Say it like you mean it. Are you ready? Oh, there you go. That's, that just makes me feel so good, so warm and fuzzy this morning. Seriously, it's something special to hear someone say, I love you, isn't it? To have someone from the bottom of their heart, when they really mean it, look at you and say, I love you, there's nothing like it in the world. My grandfather died when he was 90 years old. I had the privilege of doing his funeral. And uh, my grandfather lived about an hour away from where I lived growing up. We went there almost every Sunday. My grandfather was a little guy. He was about five foot seven, weighed about 110 pounds, and uh, worked like a dog his whole life. Had a rough life. Lost his wife when he was only 41 years old. She'd been crippled for 10 years with MS, and and he had raised kind of the kids uh, on his own while taking care of her. She died when she was 41, and he was 41. When that happened, they had a a 20-some year old daughter who had already been married and had a child, and. She got Hodgkin's disease and died at 25. During that time, my oldest uncle contracted polio and spent a year and two months in a hospital um, for polio. While he was in that hospital, one of my other uncles had a motorcycle wreck and spent four months in another hospital, and they didn't think he was going to make it, and he finally pulled through as well as my uncle with polio. He just had a lot of stuff happen in his life. And you know what my grandpa would say every single time you were in his presence? It's a wonderful life. That's what he would say. That's what I titled his funeral when I preached it was, It's a Wonderful Life, because everyone who knew him knew that that's what he said. But he knew it was a wonderful life because Jesus loved him. And he would tell you that as well. And being from that generation uh, and being that hardworking kind of, kind of uh, guy he was, he wasn't typical of a lot of people in his generation. I never left my grandpa's house that he didn't give me a hug, kiss me on the cheek, and tell me, I love you. He influenced me more than anybody else in my entire life. Everything he did, I paid attention to. Everything he said, I listened to because I knew that he loved me. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we come before you today and we thank you for love. We ask forgiveness, Lord, when we live out things that are not love. Forgiveness when we treat others in less than loving ways and yet take your love so much for granted when we don't deserve it. 
Today, help us just open our minds and our hearts to how much you love us and help us to open our minds and our hearts to what that should mean in the way we live every day. Thank you for Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for the love that that shows in and of itself being the greatest gift of all, the presence of Christ in our lives, which is the presence of love. So in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. In 1 John 4, 13 through 16, we read these words. It says, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now, we're in this season of Christmas that is so often referred to as the season for love or even the season of love. And something does happen kind of, uh, uh, people will say it's magical, if you will, this time of year, doesn't it? I mean, people who are typically kind of mean and nasty people, they, they, they tend to have a bright and shining moment this time of year where they get a, a little bit nicer, People tend to take a, a, a little bit more time to, to go to those family outings, those family dinners, and, and prioritize family during this time of year. People seem to talk a little bit more about love, talk about those pretty things in life, if you will, to be a little more warm and fuzzy this time of year. And, and, and as we look at that, it's an opportunity, I think, for us to to seize upon that and talk a little more about God, talk a little more about the coming of the Messiah, talk a little more about church and scripture and all of those kind of things. Uh, but it's all kind of confusing, isn't it? I, I mean, it, it's, I, I was watching a Thanksgiving special uh, over the holidays, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and, and there was this scene where everybody was around the table being thankful, but they weren't thankful to anyone, they were just thankful for something. And that doesn't make sense to me. How about you? I mean, if I'm thankful for something, I have to be thankful to someone for providing that. And, and it seems like in all of this confusion, people are a little more loving. They are happier. They're more joyful. They're more thankful. They're more family-oriented. But there's a confusion about why they are that way. And we have the answer. We have the answer in the love of Jesus Christ himself clearing up some of the confusion. I love the little boy who was in church at Christmas time, and he asked his Sunday school teacher, so was Jesus born to the Virgin Mary or to the King James Virgin? I can't figure that out, right? And for us, even in the church, sometimes we get a little bit confused because we confuse kind of the spirit of Christmas with what Christmas really is, and it is the coming of the Messiah of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Christmas really is all about the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E -E. And we began last week talking about the presence of hope in our life that comes with Christ as Christ comes into our world. And today we're going to look at the presence of love. And now I was looking for a picture to kind of show a, a negative pic of presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, uh, because we concentrate so much on those presents at Christmas time. And, and actually, I, I couldn't find one that, that was really that negative. Rather, what I ran across, I think, was kind of God speaking to me. And I ran across this picture that had a quote that basically said that, um, that uh, 
I love getting presents because it shows me that I'm loved. And I thought, you know, maybe then we can talk a little about the physical presence if we really do give them in the attitude of the wise men and an attitude of love and those sorts of things. Uh, but, but if I look at Matthew chapter 7, 9 through 11, I, I get a little bit better sense of this when we read these words from Jesus. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And, and, and so there is this sense that, that the presence of love really is kind of wrapped up in the giving of presence with a T. And, and we do have to balance that between the raising spoiled brats, right? Any of you know any spoiled brats? Point to where, no, I'm just kidding. You know those, don't you? Huh? Some of us are spoiled brats and we're raised that way ourselves. We have to balance it between spoiling our children and showing them the love by giving them presents. But we also need to understand that this presence of Christ SCE, the NCE, the presence that we offer or that he offers us, is the greatest gift ever given. It's not a material thing, but it is the greatest given. The best present ever given is the presence of Jesus Christ himself. Now, when we think about all that, and I know I'm kind of confused myself this morning. I'm having a hard time preaching through my notes here a little bit. But when you think about this whole idea of the presence of love, and we show it in giving presence, we show it in other ways, but God shows it to us by just being with us. Think about that. He shows it to us by coming into this world. He shows it to us by loving us enough to want to spend every day with us, by loving us enough to want to spend every day for the rest of eternity with us, and by making a way for that to happen. And so the best present ever that any of us could ever receive, and the best present that we can offer our children, and the best present that we can offer anybody else in the world, is the presence of Jesus Christ himself. I love, as, as we lit the Advent candle, we talked about the verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, where it says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Did you ever really try to imagine what it is specifically Mary is pondering in her heart? In all the details of what had happened and what is going to happen in the Christmas story through her and all of the gifts that she's going to be given, and also the challenges and the stress that come along with that, imagine what is going through her mind. After all of the noise and the nastiness of that night, after everything settled down, and she began to think through what's going on. I, I think the first thing that she probably understood is this. I think Mary may have been pondering just very simply the love of God. Just very simply the love of God. Of God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, we read this Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is who? Christ the Lord, right? That statement in and of itself is just like Christmas shouting out to us God loves you. 
He has come to be in your midst. Now, Mary didn't completely understand what was going on at this time. She didn't know everything that would happen in her life. She probably didn't completely understand the concept of Messiah, although she had a great understanding of it from her, from her roots in Judaism. But she knew that God had promised the Messiah, that he had promised to deliver, and she was chosen to bring him into the world. And that in of itself would have been enough for her to go, wow, how incredible and how much God loves me and God loves the world to come into this world. And we know the rest of the story. We know what she will come to know. We know the depth of his love for all of us. Max Lucado describes this reality in his book. He, he says this, he says, The face she wiped blood from would once again be caked in blood. The hand she held would one day be pierced by spikes. The head she stroked would one day be spat upon by the ones he came to save. And he finishes that little excerpt like this. He says, why? Simply because he loves you. Think about that. He came simply because he loves you. The greatest gift ever given was given in the greatest love ever offered. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, the greatest gift, the love of God shared with us in Christ. And you know what the greatest thing is for each of us that are here today? The greatest thing is, is that love is still offered to us. Now, here's what really, really aggravates me so often in the church. What aggravates me so often in the church is we get the religion part right. And people talk about what's important in your faith. Well, I know what songs I like to sing. I know uh, what meetings I like to go to in the church. And, and I love the fellowship of the people there, which is a great thing. And, and, and I just have all these traditions. But really, the root of everything that we should be thankful for is this one simple thing. Jesus loves me. He loves me. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter who I am, the color of my skin or the background of my family, none of that matters. This is Christmas shouting out to us this day and every day, Jesus loves you. That's the gift. Does anybody think that's cool? Huh? I think it's the greatest thing in the world. John 3 16 through 18, you've seen this and heard it already this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now, now understand this greatest gift ever given needs to be accepted. It needs to be received. When, when you go shopping this year, you're going to probably run across a, a gift that you're really excited about. Several years ago, uh, my sister and I were able to go back to the high school that my dad went to back in the 50s, Wahama High School in Mason County. And we were able to dig up footage of him playing football, film footage. And we had that footage transferred to a DVD. And at Christmas, we, we bought my mom and my dad a, a new DVD player. And we put that DVD in the DVD player. And we were so incredibly excited 
because we just knew it was going to be the most awesome thing in the world. And we put that thing on play, and that black and white film started running with this guy running down the field with a football and music playing in the background that we'd had put on there. And my dad just kind of watches it like, you know, why do you give us a black and white movie with music behind it? And all of a sudden it hits him, and he goes to my mom, he goes, hey, hon, that's, that's me. That's me, you know. And we laughed. It was one of the greatest gifts we'd ever got them. We've remembered that. It's been a long time ago, actually, since we've done that. And, and we remember that, and everybody will remember that. But it wouldn't have meant anything if they didn't push play. It wouldn't have meant anything if my dad would have said, I don't, we don't want a DVD player. Would you just wrap that up and, and take that back? Thank you very much, but take it downstairs and put it on the shelf. We're not going to use it. You see, this greatest gift that's ever been given through Jesus Christ, our son, is the same way. Through, through God's son is the same way. It's been given to us. It's been freely given to us, but we've got to accept it. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, the son of God became a man. To enable men to become the sons of God. He came into our world, lived in our world, took the sin upon himself, was crucified, died, and, was, and resurrected to forgive us of our sins and open a way for us to spend eternity with him. And as Christmas shouts, God loves you, the greatest gift ever calls upon us to give in return. See, uh, Neil Strait says this way, he says, The coming of Christ by way of a Bethlehem manger seems strange and stunning. But when we take him out of the manger and invite him into our hearts, then the meaning unfolds and the strangeness vanishes. Mary's not a great religious leader. Mary's not a political power. Mary's not a popular celebrity. Mary's not a military might or someone with superstar status, but I think what Mary understood was, God loves me, and he's calling me to love him back. The greatest gift ever given was indeed a gift of love. You see, Mary didn't earn the gift. Now, we have really good things said about Mary in the scripture, right? That she was a, a person who lived a, a wonderful life, a, a godly life, but she didn't earn this gift of love. I love Santa Claus. I play Santa Claus. I retired this year. I had way too much other stuff going on. I've missed it like crazy because I love dressing up and, and just spending that time with the kids and watching their face light up, and I've got the body shape for it. And so I love doing it. I haven't done it this year, but... But the thing I don't like about Santa Claus is it's all a works righteousness thing, isn't it? Santa will bring you something if what? You're good. If you're naughty, you aren't getting anything. Now, we don't usually follow through with that very well, but that's the whole premise and what we try to teach through Santa Claus, right? But that's not the way God is. God says, whether you're naughty or whether you're nice, I died for you. No matter what you've done or where you're from, I died for you. Reminded of this little boy who approached a Santa in a department store. He had a long list of requests. He said, I want a bicycle, a sled, a cowboy suit, a set of trains, a baseball glove, a DS, some roller skates. And Santa said, that's a pretty long list. I'll have to check in my book and see if you were a good boy. And he said, ah, that's all right. Don't check. Just give me the roller skates. Right? <clears throat> and sometimes... I think when we approach God, we approach in the same way. 
Well, God can use that person in a mighty way, but me, not so much. Well, I know God loves that person because look at the way they've lived their life. And and I know He loves me, but He doesn't love me quite as much. He's not going to receive me quite as well. That's not the way God works. Our Savior comes in undeserved love. He comes in grace, and we don't get what we've earned, and we don't get what we deserve. We truly get a gift that's based on His grace and based on His love. A gift. John 1.16, from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Is that up there? Would you read that out loud with me? From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Blessings we don't earn, blessings we don't deserve, but blessings that He gives us anyway. Saw a story one time, which I think is funny because I spent some time in the South. There was three pastors who were at a conference, and one of them was from way up north. And they were down around Atlanta, and they went to breakfast one morning, and they got their breakfast, what they ordered, and every plate had a pile of these mushy white things on them, right? And this guy from up north says, what are those to the waitress? And she said, they're grits, right? And he said, well, I don't want any grits, and I'm not going to pay for any grits. I didn't order any grits. And she said... She said, honey, down here, you don't order grits and you don't pay for grits, but you get them anyway, right? Man, that's what God says to us at Christmas. You don't have to accept it. You can turn your back on it. But right in front of you this very day is the greatest gift ever offered. It's the gift of the presence of Christ for you, given out of the love that God has for you, shouting, I love you. And if you receive this gift, it'll change your life. What big deal is it if you get a gift that you've earned or deserved? It's the undeserved gift. It's the graceful gift that inspires us to be something. It inspires us to do something. Look at the commitment it inspired in Mary. This young girl to to give all that she could back to God. Look at how she was inspired by this grace that was offered to her. And the question for every one of us at this Christmas time and every other day of our life really is, what kind of change has the gift of Christ inspired in you? How are you different? Do people at the barbershop know you by your love? Or do they know you by your griping? Do people at the church know you by your kindness and your grace, or do they know you by your dogma and your staunchness? Do people in your family know you as someone who is fair and just, but also who is loving and merciful and graceful? In Romans 6, 15 through 18, it says, What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace by no means? Do you not know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You know what that means, paraphrased? This is my deep theological paraphrase of this scripture. It means you're different now. Live it. You ever heard of a teacher by the name of Benjamin Zander? 
He's a big conductor um, who teaches uh, and does consulting all over the world for leadership. Xander teaches his music students like this. When they come in the first day of class, he says to them, he says, every one of you in here, get an A. I don't care how many times you come to class. I don't care what you do. I don't care how hard you work. Every one of you in here, get an A. Now we get that out of the way. We don't have to worry about it anymore. And, and, and you look at this and you think, wow, this, this could be completely unsuccessful. But he has been wildly successful at teaching some of the most wonderful students in the world. And, and this is the principle he says. He says this. He says, by giving the, doing this, I give people a possibility to live into, not an expectation to live up to. Listen to that. A possibility to live into, not an expectation to live up to. What he says is, so many of the students walk in and they already believe that there's no way they can get an A. People in their life have told them, you're not an A student. Their experience has told them they're not an A student. And there's no way they're going to get an A. And so they live up to the expectation that has been given them. And if it's a C, it's a C. If it's a B, it's a B. But they hardly ever go above what's expected out of them. And he said, I go ahead and tell them they have an A. And it's amazing how many people will live into it. And I believe, folks, that's exactly what Jesus has done for us in Christmas, in the Incarnation, in Emmanuel, God with us. He has said to us, look, I believe in you more than you believe in you yourselves. It is amazing what you can do. It is amazing, Dad, how much you can really love your children. It is amazing, husband, how much you can really love your wife. It is amazing, church, how much you can really love your community. It is amazing what you can do when you experience the presence of the love of Christ in your life. And are inspired to live it out in every single area of your life. The presence of love. The presence of Christ. The greatest gift ever given should change our lives. In every way and every relationship that we're in. Would you pray with me?